0: The views expressed on this podcast are those of the participants, not of Rogers News. The Tokyo Olympics are finally underway, but man, has it been a rocky ride with COVID infections rising, corporations pulling out, the Japanese public unenthusiastic, and even now a bad Holocaust joke in the mix. Meantime, Robinhood markets is about to go public in New York, and it looks like another online trading disruptor from 20 years ago in ways that are both good and bad. Listen up. Welcome to the Views Room. I'm Rob Cox, the editor of Breaking Views, a financial commentary wing of Reuters News, coming to you from Zurich, Switzerland this week. Well, let the games begin. The Tokyo Olympics are set to kick off with an opening ceremony on Friday and last for the next couple of weeks. But man, has it been a rocky road so far. Remember, these are the 2020 Games, rescheduled once because of COVID a year ago, and they've been plagued by lots of problems. Just this week, the organizers fired the opening ceremony director after reports emerged of a past joke he had made about the Holocaust. That comes on top of rising infections among athletes and a decision to close the Games to spectators. None of that sat well with corporations and other supporters of the Games, as Pete Sweeney, our Olympics maven in Asia, and I discussed it also generally deflates any enthusiasm there might still have been among the Japanese public for the games. It now looks like former Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, a strong advocate of the games, won't even be in attendance. But hey, there'll be surfing and skateboarding, so that's pretty cool. Meantime, Robinhood Markets has made playing the stock markets easy. But pinpointing the digital broker's own value is anything but, says our own John Foley. They've got a $33 billion potential price tag. We've been here before, John. Explain a little bit the math behind your piece on Robinhood's valuation.
1: Well, so Robinhood is, um, as you say, it's about to list its shares. It's selling shares to marketing shares, to investors and to its own customers, actually, at the moment for uh, an upcoming stock market listing. And so that means that if you want to buy shares, you need to work out what they're worth and what you're going to pay for them. And that's really hard. for It's hard for any company, but it's especially hard for Robinhood because this company, it's a digital online stock brokerage. But its revenue and its user numbers have just increased at the most crazy dizzying sudden and unpredictable rates so you have to kind of work out you know the, the companies like doubled basically doubled its uh, user numbers in the last year um, how do you work out what's going to happen next and we are saying a couple of things actually one is that Yeah, you can take a a guess based on what like peer similar companies are doing and what, you know, bankers are saying. But also you need to kind of look back into the past because we've been here before with a company called E-Trade, which was once the disruptive powerhouse that was bringing online stock trading to the masses and turned out to have quite a rocky ride when it came to corporate valuation.
0: Okay, let's, let's go through that and pick, unpick that a little bit. So the, their growth is extraordinary. Some of uh, Hood's that is. Um, some of the comparisons that you're looking at where there was a company called eToro, which in March had done a deal, and uh, Goldman Sachs had presented data suggesting fast growth fintech firms like this were on track to grow revenue by 35% annually over the next couple of years. If you take that argument, um Vlad Tenev's company and Vlad was one of the founders of Robinhood would have how big how much revenue by whatever the next couple
1: of years so by our numbers you'd get 3 billion dollars of revenue by 2023 and that compares with 1.7 billion over the last most recently reported 12 months
0: that's a lot of growth there's a ton of assumptions in there but let's 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 look at the bear the bull case sorry here so what would that how would you value that income stream
1: Well, so what, what investors would typically do is take a future revenue number and then they would multiply it by something. They'd say, I'm prepared to pay like 10, 20, 30 times one year's revenue to see what the company's worth today. So the question is, what multiple do you use? To give a sense of like highs and lows here, maybe you could look at um, at one of the slower growing brokerages like interactive brokers on one hand trading at, you know, roughly 13 times, um, its forward revenues. Um, on the other hand, you have some really highly valued fancy tech companies like lemonade. Lemonade's an app that basically sells insurance to, to young people. It's very clever. It's been very successful and that's trading more like 25 times sales. So at $33 billion, Robinhood would be on about 11 times. So surprisingly, considering what a, an overhyped company it is. That isn't actually that expensive at all.
0: But there's a lot of assumptions, and then we're taking the bull case um, first. You know, we are. By the way, just to dear listener, we're looking at a multiple of sales, so top line. This does not really tell us anything about profitability. This is just a very, you know, this is a very, uh, this is a very bullish way to look at it. No.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there is like profitability is so minute robin hood that and for lots of the companies that are going public at the moment we've got all these speculative business models hitting the market where companies don't make any profit so investors are getting increasingly used to looking at revenue because that's sometimes all there is right
0: okay now let's go back to the to to the 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 comparison that you mentioned earlier which is to E-Trade. Now, E-Trade, I remember back in the 90s and during the, the dot-com bubble, they were the real disruptor. They made online trading not only accessible but super cheap. They undercut people like Schwab and all the other guys out there, their revenue. Also, you know, increased double. They even had so much money they went on a Super Bowl ad, which you wrote about in the piece, which said <laughs> – had the charmless refrain, quote, he's got money coming out the wazoo.
1: Now what's happened- worth a watch. I mean, like, that, by the way, just FYI, this super yeah. is worth finding. It's on YouTube. It's a series of patients being wheeled into operating theatres and doctors exclaiming. He has money coming out the wazoo, so it's it's very like of its time. But so, but E-Trade did a lot of what Robinhood is doing. It kind of slightly democratized um, stock trading, nowhere near as much as Robinhood has done because Robinhood is much bigger, uh, much much bigger. But the idea was that it, it shook up the like staid, fusty towers of you know stockbroking, um, and it did that really successfully. Um, but the problem is that it is so successfully that, first of all, competition came along in, in, in a big way. The commissions that E-Trade made um, got compressed because, uh, you know, there were lots more companies trying to offer the same thing. But also the stock market just cooled. I mean, it, it more than cooled, it collapsed in the early 2000s. And that meant that ETrade's own share price also collapsed and the investors who used its platform started trading a lot less actively than they had before. So even though the company carried on growing, you know, its revenue grew, it actually still did really well. It's just that its valuation on the stock market was much diminished and it fell from trading at something like 25 times its forecast sales, according to the kind of historical records that I've been pouring through, to sort of five times, um, which is a big change of fortunes.
0: Yeah, no kidding. Now, uh, what happened to E-Trade in the end? Is it worth explaining?
1: so E-Trade, like E-Trade is still there. Just, it just sold itself to Morgan Stanley in 2020 um, for about $13 billion, which is about what it was worth at its you know its peak in 1999. Um, and it, it's still doing really well. Morgan Stanley is doing really well for owning it. It's not a question of whether um, you know, these companies can survive, because I'm sure they can, and I think Robinhood absolutely will too. It's a question of what investors are prepared to pay for them. And right now, Robinhood is doubly pumped up both by stock trading mania that is driving its revenue and also by the the slightly delusional multiples that investors are prepared to put on these kind of growth businesses
0: Now Robinhood has some other attributes that E-Trade didn't have right John?
1: Right I mean first of all Robinhood can see what happened to E-Trade so it can learn from history but also Robinhood's Thing is, that it's got this amazing kind of design mentality and like user interaction experience thing going on where you know it, people could refer to this sometimes as gamification, but it, it has all these like neat little interactivity features that keep people basically hooked. Um, and that's quite helpful, it's quite clever, and it means that they can roll that out onto other things. So, if people stop buying shares, Robinhood can expand into other kinds of personal finance. There's lots of places it can go with these skills, so it's not boxed itself into a corner. It also, I mean, E Trade bought, bought a bank and it, loaded upon mortgages and that didn't turn out so well in the financial crisis i doubt robin hood's going to do that so right. it's probably more worse as
0: it were but of course they also have some other things that are risk factors well, uh, that, are, that are that are all displayed as per the sec's guidelines in the prospectus what are they
1: i mean yeah like the, the thing that it has loads of is lawsuits so um, the, you know, the prospectus lists, you know, the, like in 2020, we have 15 putative class actions in December, the t- de- December 2020, like six more putative class actions. In addition, we've become aware of approximately 50 putative class actions. So the gist is lots of people are trying to sue Robin Hood. It's also being investigated by regulators, partly because its business model is quite new and unusual, um, and I think they just want to get their heads around what it does. Um, But that's going to take up a lot of time. And, and, you know, the chief legal officer at this company is one of the highest paid executives. And that is not an accident. That's because they're going to spend a lot of time trying to um, tidy up some of these loose ends and keep their noses clean. So that's a risk that you're taking when you buy the shares. And that's actually the main reason a lot of investors will probably wait and see what happens when the smoke clears and when they can actually invest in a business model rather than a business model with a load of lawsuits attached to it. All right.
0: Well, thanks, John, for walking us through. We'll see when they come up next week with a price for this, and then we get to see whether investors uh, have, have jumped on the bandwagon or not. Thanks, Rob. Well, the Olympics are set to start in Tokyo later this week, but not without some serious troubles. Pete Sweeney, you're there in Hong Kong. You're monitoring what's going on in Tokyo. Give us the state of play right now for the Olympic Games.
2: Well things are still set to go forward um, the opening ceremony they will kick off on Friday technically but some of the games have already started playing. Japan just the Japanese women's team just trounced Australia at softball. Um, so things are underway. That said, there's a, the outbreak in Japan is still not under control you know this is um, there's not any spectators watching these games really um, there have been incredible tight restrictions on attendance. Because of this this running outbreak, there's also been a bunch of athletes who have arrived, um, who've come infected. Uh, about 60 or some, I believe. So this kind of a nightmare for Japan. Most Japanese people wanted the Olympics to be canceled outright. Keep in mind they were already delayed once, and I think it was like two out of three uh, Japanese people just wanted to to end them. Period. The government has has stuck to its guns. Um, the IOC, um, the the Olympic Committee, has also. Um, supported this, unsurprisingly, given how much money they make off the Olympics. So right now, I mean, there's there's been some people saying that uh, some officials have said that it's not too late to cancel them, but it's it's almost too late to cancel them. So it, it seems like they would be it point. would be quite embarrassing
0: to cancel them this close. Now it's it's one thing to have said, all right, we canceled it, where we postponed it one year, and it, and maybe I don't know, a few months ago to say, well, we're going to do it in twenty. 20- 22, But to do it days before, yet at the same time, you have lots lots of companies that are now pulling out. No, I saw that Toyota had decided against running advertisements in Japan a sort of a no confidence vote for the for the games. You've had a bunch of others that
2: because there are no spectators, they're just they're just opting out. Yeah, well, especially in the Japanese market. I mean, the, obviously, international brands, sponsors, you know, are looking mostly to to television viewers at this point. And that always has been like what has generated a lot of the revenue. But inside Japan itself, obviously, it's been seen now as more of a liability to be associated with it, which is just incredible. I mean, Toyota is one of the Japanese companies. And the I mean, it's come Japanese company. You know, they're, 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 they're really? partly the first. I mean, Masayoshi Son of SoftBank, you know, has expressed skepticism. The government has gotten the message that Japanese people are unexcited about it. And even in this democracy, they've just kept on going. I mean, it's it could be really bad. You know, if they cancel it now, they don't really have any information that they didn't have six months ago. It, nobody is surprised that like some of these athletes are coming across, you know, infected with COVID. And uh, it could just be an economic disaster. Um, It's certainly not going to trickle down to the private sector benefit in the city um, like people hoped. You know, it's not going to do anything for the retailers. You know, the people who are trying to sell T-shirts or or sashimi to tourists, like those guys aren't going to make a dime off of this. And unfortunately, it won't be the first time, but this might be the first time that the Olympics, you know, takes down an elected government. Um, You know, Suga might not survive if this is he's already not very popular well, how would he that
0: happen survive? how would i mean of course you all right so let's just step back let's get to the government in a second but the, again sure. uh, you've noticed so one of the re- arguments to keep things going of course is the is the broadcasting rights and the sort of global perspective here but you even have like i don't know u.s uh, athletes women's basketball players uh, uh gymnastics and ca- uh, folks folks who are who are not even able to participate because they've tested positive even being having been vaccinated. So it sort of undermines even the argument for having continuing the games, if it's just about uh, having a global reach, no?
2: Yeah, I would, I would think so. I mean, it's, it's mixed. I mean, the arguments has been that like, you know, think of the athletes, you know, they, they only get like some of them, this is going to be their only shot, um, you know, to, to compete at this level. You know, I have sympathy for that view, um, especially in some of the more you know, esoteric sports, you know, that don't play all the time. And, you know, like the, beach the tent- volleyball, like the, yeah, mean, the Czech well, you know, Republic's beach
0: volleyball player. There's yeah. literally the, the guy who was from the, the beach volleyball star from the Czech Republic tested positive. Like there are there aren't a whole lot of opportunities for him to uh, to play in the world stage. Right.
2: Yeah, and there's these sports that are, you know, like the equestrian events that very few people want, like super niche sports um, in the summer and the winter, you know, that the Olympics kind of keeps alive. Um, and those athletes, obviously, you know, they don't have a Super Bowl or a World Cup or an alternative, you know, Wimbledon to fall back on. So for them, the Olympics is really important. But, you know, as a business, as like the impact on the on the Japanese economy, this could be a serious negative, um, especially if it if it contributes further to the, the outbreak and the lockdown um yeah, unfortunately this yeah. wouldn't be the first time this sort of thing has happened you know to an olympic host no well let's so let, let's talk about the ramifications for the
0: government um so if this thing is a complete failure a complete disaster if it's and uh, i and i'm not sure exactly it how you could make it even more of a disaster than it is but let's say it let's say it's just even economically uh, a disaster what uh, what happens do you think there is a chance that uh that there's a no confidence vote in the diet
2: well, I mean, there, there is that chance um, that the signs the Suga's party has not been doing very well in local elections. So they're already worrying signs. Um, I mean, there's all this speculation about why he's sticking with it, you know, against, you know, the obvious will of the people, as it were. Um, and, it, you know, it's obviously coming alongside with all these other factors that are also contributing to his unpopularity. The economy is still in recession. It's very much not turned around. You know, the outbreak is not under control and that these are all failures of his government as well. Um, they all kind of feed together. So, I mean, it wouldn't be the Olympics alone um, that takes him down, but it could be, you know, dissatisfaction. Keeping in mind, this guy came in right after, um, you know, Shinzo Abe, who was one of the, well, he was the longest lasting prime minister in, in Japanese history, I believe. Um, yeah. And there's all this history of like the guys who follow on after really popular prime ministers don't last long. Um, so guy isn't like a super charismatic guy in the first place. Um, am so There is that risk. Definitely. Yeah. Now,
0: you have been a skeptic, and right? let's call you an skeptic for sure. some time. I know you wrote a, a really nice piece a while back about your experience, starting with your experience at the Atlanta Olympics, but your argument was basically uh, not really related to COVID, not really related to vaccine, but just in general, the white elephants that are created as a, in host cities uh, in advance of Olympics that just uh, are a drain on on the financial coffers of the country or the city this is clearly in line with your argument is it not what's going on in tokyo
2: well it's an extreme case of it and i mean honestly i would have expected the tokyo olympics to to do okay business wise you know but uh but in the, the the major problem is that like it's very difficult to control costs on these things um the ioc isn't particularly answerable to anybody You know, but, but the main thing is like some of the, just the nature of the Olympics, you know, as I was mentioning before, like they keep up a lot of sports, you know, they generate tons of money, billions of dollars in broadcast revenue, but most of that money is generated by a few sports, right? Not by curling and, you know, people doing dressage, right? So there's tons of these events that don't generate a bunch of money, you know, but you need to have facilities for these events. So you know people in the states will complain about you know building oversized football stadiums and draining municipal budgets for that, but you can I mean nobody needs to build a new stadium to host the the Super Bowl, right? I mean, you don't need to build a new stadium to host the World Cup. you can refurbish it like and these things can be reused and reused with the Olympics. you have to build all this infrastructure, all these sporting events that never get used again, um, and that's this recurrent problem in terms of urban development. I mean, it happened. It, you also have to like build out all this infrastructure. I mean, it depends on the governments of the, of the city that does it. I mean, Rio did this really badly. Um, they've lost a bunch of money on it. They owe a bunch of money and already like the, the infrastructure is kind of falling apart, you know, in Atlanta, they did a bit of a better job, but they put all the money into highways and road expansion instead of, instead of public transit and, um, right. it turned into this huge traffic jam. Um, the worst governed the city is the worst outcome you have. And, you know the democracies and place democracies that are responsive um, have gotten really soured on this. If you look at the at the upcoming 2022 Olympics, all the democratic states pulled out their bids, and the only bidders for it were Beijing and Almaty and Kazakhstan. And that trend is quite worrying. It means that like basically it's becoming increasingly this forum for autocratic governments who don't care you know about a return on their investment, but are just kind of like fluffing themselves up, and they're going to kind of dominate the Olympics going forward. And we already see that the 2022 Olympics are going to be just a diplomatic mess. Um, people are talking about boycotting over, you know, China's yeah, treatment of the queer population. It's just really ugly, and it's not what the games were supposed to be about in the first place. I mean, these were supposed to be, you know, about amateurism, about bringing people together, about you know, competition among the best. Oh, well, yeah, those we days are those long. We, we, I think we
0: can say that, that those original noble ideas around the recreation of the, the Olympic Games uh, 150 years ago, whatever it was, that we've certainly long passed it. But at least, look, uh, the one thing I can say that's going to be fun is if we get to see surfing in the Olympics yes. for the first time in Ichinomiya,
2: come on. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I know it's going to be great. Look, there's some get- people love watching. it. I mean, IOC estimates, and I believe this, that like nearly a third of the world population, you know, watch the last games. So, I mean, and that's why advertisers come. That's why brands love it, you know, and they're going to keep loving it. And the IOC will keep on making all this money and it will still find, you know, countries that will just like, you know, cities that have never hosted the games before that think it's going to put them on the map. Yeah. And it's very difficult to reform this organization, which is right next door to you. And I know in like- Switzerland. Um, but they answer to nobody, so they can keep on doing this. I am frustrated. A lot of people are frustrated. You know, there's all these economic studies showing minimal long-term, negligible long-term benefit from hosting the Olympics on balance. But it's, it's just going to be very difficult to to do anything about it. And it's kind of exceptional in this way to have this organization, you know, is able to do what it's doing in Japan, straight against the wishes of the people, possible grave economic damage and political damage to the Japanese state. And really, they're going to get away with it almost certainly.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let the games begin. I think they're going forward, and I can't wait to watch the surfing and the skateboarding. Yeah, likewise. All right. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Rob. That's our show for the week. Thanks go to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Subscribe to The Views Room and our sister podcast, The Exchange on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you go to get your high-quality podcast fixes. And check us out every day at breakingviews.com. Thank you.